0: BANG <laughs>
1: To another episode of the Snap Don't Tap podcast, I'm Tony Cicchini, along with the one and only living legend Joe Cardinale. Uh, how you doing, Joe?
2: Doing good, man. It's sunny out. It actually feels like spring for the first time. Get in the It'll 70s uh, Do some training outside. Finally, get some runs in, some bike rides. So, looking forward to that. Well, we're
1: expecting rain here. So, um before we forget the the next. Workshop May 20th at Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness, 1.30 to 3.30. Uh, please go to our uh, social media for the address. And then tentatively, I'm, I'm assuming the 28th uh, of May on the that's a Sunday at um, DuPage Krav Maga, 10 a.m. to 12 noon um, for the month of May. And then uh, we're hopefully going to get back on track with the third Sunday stuff. You know, it seems every month there's something. This month, of course, it's Mother's Day next weekend. And then I think I mentioned at the DuPage School, some people are going to be out of town traveling for quite a while. So, you know, it's just about, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. So uh, tell us, what's the good news, Joe? Any well, I mean, I'm glad you wore your church shoes
2: today, Tony, for the podcast and got dressed up because I think we should make it official. This is, you know, your coronation <laughs> being the true monarch of McHenry County. So, congratulations to that. I know it's been a long time since they've been able to have a coronation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nicely yes, done. But uh, may all the honors and privileges that that bestows that you can enjoy those now in your reign. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think as part of today's celebration, I think, you know, uh, you'll get a small free frosty from Wendy's as part of the honor. And yeah, just enjoy that. Yeah. That's a good, good deal. Exactly. So, uh,
1: congratulations once again on, on your reign. I actually watched some of that coronation yesterday. Cause you know, I get up early when I first got up, I forgot about it, but uh, I have been, uh, you know, uh, I, I did watch some of it. You know, it's, when it comes to pomp and circumstance, I don't know if anybody on earth does it better than the Brits. You know, they're, they're uh, man, you know, it, it was a production. Um, and it, it kind of is full circle. You know, I know that that's a polarizing issue, the monarchy. I don't have a dog in a fight, so it doesn't matter. But I can remember, you know, 100 years ago when Prince Charles at the time got married to Lady Diana Spencer. And that was big. The wedding was here. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you my, my personal Prince Charles story. Did I ever mention oh, this? No, I have no idea. So, unlike mo- oh, no, this is unlike most, well, pretty much every uh, person from the United Kingdom that I've trained, I've actually come the closest in contact with Prince Charles and i don't remember the exact year seven you can look probably look it up 75 76 somewhere around there prince charles made a visit to the united states among his visits was to cleveland okay and you have gone when you were with me we had driven through brattonall ohio brattonall which is basically an enclave of cleveland where all the millionaires and super rich people live that's where prince charles was staying at least for a portion of his of his time. So, coincidentally, my grandfather is driving me in his car. Uh, somewhere we have to go through Bratton because he didn't like he wouldn't drive on the freeway. As we're driving, these are one lane on each side of the road. Here comes Prince Charles in the Rolls Royce limousine going the other way. It's just his car. And our car so as prince charles is passing us this way we're going that way so literally i was probably within 15 20 feet of prince charles as as a kid whatever the distance was between the the lanes uh so yeah i actually came pretty close to prince charles isn't that weird that's pretty amazing did you get a good look at him no i did not because the funny thing is the uh windows were mirrored tinted so it was so you couldn't you could see but it was very difficult nowadays well th- those are special vehicles but mirrored tints are no longer they're not legal um but then they they may have been because i remember seeing some just regular cars that had their tinted their windows tinted mirrored but yeah but it's still classic um to to know that I came that close, you know, to royalty. And then all these years later, I meet you, which kind of you kind of blow that royalty out of the water. So, you know, uh yeah. Yeah, it's only downhill for, for now for you after that. So it is, but yeah, anyhow, yeah, I, I know that it's polarizing. That a lot of people just I don't I don't get into it because it's none of our business, but my point is. I remember his wedding as a kid was on, you know, here big time. So it's kind of like wrapping things up. It's now become full circle. He's now the king. So I thought it was kind of, well, I might as well watch this because I watched the wedding, whatever it was, 40 years ago. Uh, Might as well watch this now. I did not watch the whole thing. Um, But I watched enough to say, okay, it's history, which it is, you know. But, uh, yeah, and then it rained. <laughs> and, you know. Well, I think
2: I got you beat. Uh, I, I got to actually shake the hand of true American royalty. I, I got to shake Mr. T's hand. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> well, you, know, okay. you know, and he probably actually had more gold on him than uh, the king did, actually, I think, at the time. Although at the time he
1: did it. But I'll give Mr. Well, T. I met the- him too, so we're, we're on even terms there.
3: <laughs> well, uh, let's get to the subject because I think we're going to have to delve into this today. William D. Asked via an email, I should, well, I didn't even think about popping it up
1: and it will take a minute to, uh, to find it, but really about, because he likes the fact that, you know, I'm all about self-defense and there's not a lot of that left. Um, And talking about adrenaline and how do you, Develop it, or how do you train for it? And I wish I could just address that. I wish I could say, well, you wake up in the morning and
3: you do this. But unfortunately, it's a very deep, deep subject and one that involves a lot of study. And before we delve into things,
1: I should probably preface it all by saying these are my opinions. And based on my life experiences, which are direct and also indirect and also clinical, right? Meaning I've had things happen directly to me. Life and death on more than one occasion. That's number one. Then people that I know, family members or close friends that have had horrible, horrible things. That's what I would classify more as indirect, although it can still really be
3: direct. And then I made a life study of it. Um, Not just as a um,
1: social issue or a political issue or a religious issue, but as a survival issue. Okay, So this has been pretty much my life's work as it revolves around self-defense. And I'm giving a a warning because my advice is as realistic as anything you'll get anywhere including the military and what I what I want to get out to people is like if you if you look at a professional painter like a house painter or that type of painting or yeah they wear their special work clothes and no matter how great of a painter they are no matter how careful they are They still get paint on them. They still throw down drop cloths to protect furniture and flooring and wherever. And I bring that up because going through this type of training to deal with your adrenaline is going to stain you. You're going to have issues one way or the other. You're going to go in it one way, but you may come out of it uh, completely different.
3: It may affect you, and I mean psychologically. It could scar you, right? Um, it
1: it should change you one way or the other. If it doesn't change you, then that's a whole other
3: issue that you've got to look into because it's stuff that not only I witnessed, but it,
1: it led me down to research more, and you see more ugliness.
3: Um, and depravity to the point where you, it's hard to look at the human species as the same,
1: okay, as you did before when you lost your innocence. Uh, my belief was it's, the innocence was taken from me, but I would still tell somebody it's better to lose your innocence than to lose your life. So it would be a path that may not be for some, Uh, They say ignorance is bliss for some people. Maybe that's the way to go. Um, Are you following me so far?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting new dimension to it that I really didn't think about, um, you know, because we've talked about similar subjects, but we really didn't talk about the fact that the risk of emotional harm for this kind of training, um, you know, even if it's something you volunteer, you got to, you got to be ready for that and I'm thinking of certain instances and we'll maybe get to that later people we've trained with where I I think that that happened um and uh you know I still regret it to this day but it's it's almost something you have to go in knowing and yeah I and I think you're the other thing just about the uh the painter and putting the drop cloth down and you know wearing the protective clothes is even if you're a master at your craft shit happens and accidents happen and uh You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but if you're not, you just have to expect that, um, that, you know, things are not going to get perfect, uh, no matter how good you are, uh, which means, which is a lot uh, heavier toll than just getting your paint on your clothes when we're talking about things like this.
1: Yeah, Um, and this may have to be a two-part episode, uh, because there's so much that you need to talk about before you even get
3: to the, the meat and potatoes of it. And generally, it's, there's, okay, when we're dealing with, let's say, a martial arts school,
1: naturally, your first thought is, well, are these techniques themselves going to work, okay? And in many instances, the answer is no, all right? It doesn't always mean what you're learning there doesn't always mean it's going to work. But it's not just because... The techniques themselves are garbage. Sometimes they are, but sometimes it's not training properly or not getting the best technique or you not putting enough effort into it. Um, It takes complete self-assessment, all right? I'm assuming everybody listening here has gone to school. Most of us have graduated at some level. And if you just think about those times you were in school, not everyone was the valedictorian. There were the outstanding ones, and there were the, the people who either didn't make it or barely made it, or some that were great at one subject and not the other subject. So just being in the school is no guarantee of success, okay? Uh, like somebody always <laughs> the thing is, with med school no matter what there's always a doctor that graduated bottom of the class and it's not it's funny but it's it's true so sometimes even if you're in the a great quote unquote school uh doesn't mean that you're going to become great either all right so there's so much that you have to look at but when you're dealing with street defense or you know absolute violent life or death um you have, to, you have to look at more esoteric things, such as psychology and you know situational deals. We just had an incident again yesterday in Texas at the mall. We can't really talk. I can't talk about it because not enough information has been released yet outside of nine people dead, and I think that includes the shooter. All of this stuff can, you know, it's dynamic. It could change. We don't know. Um,
3: but The one thing you learn, or you should learn, is it's how do you deal
1: with these situations. Before you can learn about adrenaline and how to trigger your adrenaline, you have to kind of get an idea of, excuse me, how are you psychologically prepared for this?
3: Now, for years you've heard people talk about fight or flight, all right? And when people talk about fight or flight, that's an incomplete statement because in the
1: psychological world, it's not just fight or fight or flight. It's four F's really:
3: fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Okay. So sometimes these can be red flags if you're talking
1: deeply and you're just mentioning fight or flight. There's more to it, and you don't know which one of those uh,
3: four Fs <laughs> relates to you? How you know, Are you going to react in, in which one of those four ways? And secondly, that doesn't universally mean you're always
1: going to act with one of those uh, situations, okay? Uh, it's kind of like having an allergy. You may not be allergic to something, so it won't trigger you at all. But something else that I mean, you might not even be aware of may give you an allergic reaction. Um, and these are things that you on yourself have to try to get to the bottom of. What kind of a person are you going to be you know, under these stressful situations? That's why before you can even get to the adrenaline, you, you have to be aware that you're, you're probably going to change. One of the best examples I tell people, and then I'll I'll let you talk, is it's not even what somebody says or does to you; it's how you interpret it. Meaning, if you're a grown adult and some little four-year-old kid is throwing a tantrum, I'm going to kick you, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to beat you up. You're you're probably not even going to get stressed. You're going to unless he's got a weapon. But you get my point. You're just going to blow that off because this little child poses no threat. However, if a six foot six, 350 pound NFL lineman is doing the same stuff towards you, man, the whole scenario just changes. Okay. The, the message was the same, but the messenger was different and that can trigger a different response.
3: Okay. So you have to factor that in as well. And once, and th- these are just quick
1: things that I'm bringing up. This goes on and on. We, it's like layers of an onion. I can talk about this for hours to the point where you're like, shit, I guess I just don't know what's going to happen to me. Um, and you don't, unless you've been there. And then you only have a working knowledge of how you'll react. Okay but it's better than having no reaction at all. Um, are you with me now? Yeah, I did have one question though. You mentioned four F's. What was the fourth one? Okay. Fawn. So what that means is you feel that you can dissuade this situation by falling all over the person verbally, like, you know, Oh, you're such a great guy. Oh, you know what? Like, let's say a woman. All right. Or whatever. Uh, she can start complimenting the guy and try to calm him down in a scenario scenario that may end up uh, becoming physically or sexually aggressive. A a situation like that may not always occur, you know, uh, uh, but it is one of the psychological triggers. That in itself
3: opens up the other can of worms that I tried to tell you the other day to research a little bit. Uh, and um, those, those two that we're going to cover in a moment um, can factor into it. And that is tonic immobility uh,
1: and like a situational um, mute, okay, mutism, um, where you become so, let's say, petrified,
3: you're literally frozen. You can't speak. You can't yell for help you can't scream or your body completely
1: freezes. This is the TI. You know, your motor skills just shut down on you. Right. Uh, Now, no matter how well-trained you are, if that happens, you're toast. Okay. These are legitimate things. It also exists in the, Animal kingdom, and a matter of fact, researchers have done a lot of study with the animal kingdom, especially with the tonic immobility or immobilization. Um, but they have been studying it in humans. Uh, these are factors that I, I doubt most martial arts schools are even aware of it, let alone teach it. In you know, but you have to be aware of it, and all of us, everyone listening, everyone watching has already experienced some of these things. For example, somebody thinks they're funny. A friend of yours thinks they're funny, and they jump out from behind something and scare the shit out of you. Boom, right? That is a classic example. You may jump. You may not even be able to scream, or you may scream. But you've exhibited something here,
3: one, one of these things, because you were completely caught off guard. You were slumbering.
1: Now, if you can go back in your memory bank and remember some of these instances, think of yourself as being dead because of that. Because it was just a friend or it was just a black cat that ran out of the bush. But you were completely oblivious to its being there or your friend being there or whatever. If that was a violent encounter, that person got the drop on you and could have killed you. Or, or put you in a situation where it's too late to react, okay? Only you can go back in your memory banks and review this, but I think you should. And it gives you a better idea of how you would react. And know this, your life, the way you reacted 20 years ago, may or may not be the same today. Because there's other factors that can change your senses and your perception around uh, the problem with most traditional sport at sport training is it, it becomes routine. So all of the stuff that I just talked about now, that's taken out of the equation. It, you know, it's really not relevant. Um, you have to make it relevant and it could just well be that where you're training now, if you're even training, they're just not set up for that. They, they can't do it. Not even, I mean, Number one, knowledge-wise, but number two, practically, they're not. you are just not geared for that. Okay, so um, I think the most important aspect of it is to realize just how truly prepared or unprepared you are. You have to get a gauge of where you're at, and for everyone, it's it's different.
3: All schools are different. You know, you can't paint with the broad brush. Yeah, and I think that self-assessment is really important
2: and being honest with yourself, because I know it's definitely something that I need to up in my training, you know, and deal with, because I'm not sure how I'd react in certain circumstances. Um, you know, and some of it is uh, having the opportunity to train those things and, and trying to create those opportunities to find the training partners who are going to do that. Um, so maybe we could get into kind of, I don't know if it's too soon, but some of the logistics of how,
1: like, how would you train these things? First and foremost, not in the dojo. Sorry. Um, That's just not the trigger. All right. Now. How can I address this? I don't know. I've never met Count Dante. He was dead before I was. I mean, I was just a kid. But he was brought up a couple of times on this podcast uh, recently, as a matter of fact. And I've seen some video footage of him. And frankly, I'm not impressed with his skill set, although I've talked to people here in Chicago that knew him and said, oh, hey, he could throw down. But one of the things that Dante did in his school, um, allegedly, okay, this is what, just what I've been told through the years, is that he tried to set up not just realistic scenarios in the dojo, but he got his students jobs that would put them into violent situations, bodyguarding or uh, bouncers or, you know, security work something like that put them in the real world um i'm not here to say if if that actually happened or not but it's a very good thing okay that that that's pretty much how it has to be i didn't have to worry about that cuz i lived in the environment so just getting to and from my daily life leaving the house put me in 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 harm's way like that most people don't feel like they're they're put in harm's way in their daily life although it It can happen, violence can happen anywhere. So I think we'll use the term indirect violence. I think you have to expose yourself to indirect violence, okay? You have to immerse yourself in that world either by uh, scoping out the areas that are known troubled areas, okay, where you know that you'll probably see something or perhaps even get involved in something, right? If you got the guts to do that, great. Um, I've taken a few people that came for for training. Some didn't want to go that route. Some did. One, Tom Antion wanted to see it. Um, The other is a little less direct, and it is by research. And I've discussed this many times before. By going to your local archives and reading or talking to police or Talking to prosecutors or even certain defense lawyers, if if you can make that happen, Um, they don't have to give out details as far as breaking, you know, client, you know, lawyer-client privileges. It could just be anonymous, or they could talk about another client that another lawyer had, or you could, like I say, talk to a
3: prosecutor, um, talk to... Uh, the coroner or someone in the coroner's uh, uh,
1: office about just how did this person get killed? Okay, What were the deadly blows or the deadly stabbing or where, where were the targets on the body? Uh, talk to ER doctors, ER nurses. Uh, get exposed to it to the violent crimes. Now I'm not talking about like accidents, all right? Car accidents or things like that. But that you need to do. Okay? Uh there's no there's no excuse not to do it. And if someone in your let's say you live in a little tiny town, um they don't want to do it or they 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 just don't have the experience enough. Reach out to a larger municipality. It doesn't have to be your area. It could be anywhere, anywhere on on the planet. You know, you're you're learning about anatomy and you're trying to learn about the human psyche. Uh, Do not be afraid to set up an appointment. Don't just barge in. Contact via phone, email, whatever. um, And really set this up. And let them know, be upfront. You know, you're not trying to do an expose. You're not some journalist that's looking to... Cause a problem, you're a you're a concerned citizen that wants to know. Hey, what exactly is it that I have to watch out for? Um, I didn't go to the. I didn't need to go to a corner but when I moved out where I'm at now, uh, I talked to police about what's what's the situation here. Normally, I would have done that before I even moved, but I you know we had to move instantly. Basically, I just had a matter of weeks to get out um, and find a place. But right away. Um, I I talked to a police officer to say, hey, what, what's the situation like out here? Okay, I told him who I was and blah, blah, blah. And what is it that I need to look out for? So I kind of got the lowdown. And then when I went to other communities that are around here, I asked the same thing. What, you know, what's, give me the, give me the dope on what's going on out here. So, before you even, like I said, think about going into adrenaline situations, uh, you, you've got to know what it is it that you're actually training for. What are you prepare, preparing for? Uh, for example, carjackings, I'm not sure there's ever been one out here. Of course, in Chicago, there is. So that's a situation that you have to prepare yourself for, you have to train for. If nothing more than the awareness of I'm in a situation now, or I'm in an area now where I can't let my guard down, even if I'm in my car, because anything can happen. I remember many years ago when I was a kid in Cleveland, and I, I know I I'm sure I mentioned this to you when we were in Cleveland, when we were driving through what was then known as Liberty Boulevard. Now it's known as Martin Luther King. Um, when I was young, this is before I was even able to drive. Some of the bad guys, Now, for those who don't know, it's like a giant, long boulevard. It was actually built by John D. Rockefeller. He donated the land and all of that, the famous billionaire uh, in Cleveland there. And um, so it's very scenic. They have sculptures. They have trees. They have bushes. They you know cultural gardens. And what would happen is in the middle of the night or dark, they would take the manhole covers off. The car that's not paying any attention, boom, goes over the manhole cover, has a blowout or whatever. Pulls over to see what's up, and that's where they would get them, okay? They, and this is in the 70s. So it's awareness like that. Oh, shit, now I got a blowout or whatever. Uh, be aware, okay, I may, be, I may have to wreck this rim, but I got to drive into a well-lit, safe, and hopefully populated area. Uh, that's just a quick example.
3: But you, you have to be aware. You have to be aware anywhere you're at uh so
1: it's best to go to the people that have more experience than you more experience than your martial arts instructor you know people whose job
3: centered around that community and you know they can give you some insight how do you have
2: any idea how easy it is or difficult like the process for doing like would something like a police ride-along
1: be something you'd recommend if you can qualify for that, I've in my life, I have been extremely lucky. But, well, I'm social. Okay. So I, I used, go out, you know, and I've met a lot of police officers and became friends of theirs. Right. So I'm, I was getting an earful all the time. Right. I've got more stories than probably a guy that's been on the Fords for 30 years because I've known so many police officers. Um, dated two police women in my life, you know, so, so I was able to get that kind of insight. Um, so that's one way of doing it is if, let's say, you know, that a police, uh, and don't make the jokes about Dunkin' Donuts, but whatever. If you know that the cop is at Dunkin' Donuts, start going in there, buy him a cup of coffee, buy him a donut, and, and just get, just talk. Okay. Um, through the years I've trained, you know how many police officers I've trained of, of all different municipalities. We've had some on the podcast, and I hear their stories, okay?
3: Um, and because they, trust me, I get the unfiltered stories, you know. I,
1: I get all the good, bad, and the ugly of it. Uh, so it's, it's becoming, fam- for you to become familiar familiar with these people. And again, if, if your local municipality where you live is small or, or whatever the reason is that you can't get through to them, try another one, all right, uh, if you have absolutely no idea what really goes down. So you got to do a little bit of canvassing, man. It's salesmanship in that regard. Get to know these people.
3: Uh, and my advice to everyone is don't come in like you have an ulterior motive. Just be really
1: candid. I don't know what life on the streets is really like. I want, I want to learn. I want to know something. If possible, volunteer, you know, uh, see what your local uh, police department has or needs, you know, um, again, the more you're seen and trusted, that's a big thing because there's a lot of weirdos out there. Um, the better off you'll be. But again, there are a lot of weird people always have been. Okay. Nothing new, not a new phenomenon. So many police might be a little gun, I do have to use the term gun shy. They, they may be a little gun shy to just like open up to you. They got to get to know you. So it's a, it's a time, it could be a time consuming thing.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's a good point is don't take that personally. If uh, they're a little guarded, like you said, at first and standoffish because um, like you said, who knows what they're dealing with. And I'm sure there's got to be some cynical, you know, everything, the things I've heard about it is, you know, obviously eight hours a day or more, they're dealing with people always trying to, to bullshit them or lie them, you know, or whatever. So I'm, I'm sure they've got to become kind of cynical. And if you kind of out of the, out of the blue start to, you know, approach them, you know, it could be awkward and, and not to be discouraged but like you said i, I think actually the volunteering is a great idea um because that's a great way to get get into the you know and obviously they you're helping too that's another thing too is you're actually contributing if they're um they need help with something and i wouldn't i don't even know what to, you know they would want for volunteers you know it could be some simple things helping them out but that's a that's a great idea
1: well another thing and i've done this um, personally is and it's easier for me to say this because of the way my my work schedule was, but take some time off of work. If it's a couple days and you don't really have, you know, you don't have to go to Miami Beach on vacation, go to the criminal courts and sit in, in different courts. You're allowed to do that unless it's, you know, some major trial that's, you know, closed to the public, but listen in. Listen in about a, maybe a domestic violence, uh, uh, you know, go to family court, right? Uh, or, or go to a criminal court where you are going to hear details of the robbery or the, the rape or the, you know, the shooting or, or what have you. Um, do it. I think everybody should do it. Now, it, it can be hair-raising hair for you, even You know, even if you you obviously have nothing directly involved into that, but you may, again, expose yourself to hear or even see things that you don't want to hear or see. Okay. Um, I've gone to court with friends, you know, as as support. Um, And, you know, you get and you get like this, just just hearing things, you know, Um, and
3: seeing at times human beings raw emotions. But if you want to be fully invested in this and, and learn how to control your adrenaline, well, this is a,
1: probably a safest way of exposing yourself to it. And ask yourself later, how did you feel when you heard what the judge said or, what, or when the plaintiff or the defendant had to say? How did you feel? Or, or when you saw the evidence, how did you feel? What was your reactions? Um, this, is a, this is a good way to gauge things. Where do you stand? Whose side are you taking? Who do you believe? You know, Because let's face it, in some self-defense situations, it comes down to a process where you have to analyze this person's motives. You may not know this person's, like a road rage um, or something or just a disagreement that may escalate. You've got to develop your assessment skills. Whereas if it's a stick up or something like that, you, you pretty well know, okay, the guy's drawn on me. You know, we don't have to assess anything now. Um, So this is all part or should be all part of your training. Um, So this is directly to Will, William, and everybody else that's listening.
3: These are some things, you know, that you can do that, it should be free of charge you know shouldn't cost you a penny um what about some other training things that we've talked about a
2: little bit about in the past and i want to circle back to like a visualization
1: well you have to know what to visualize so again this is the precursor to all of that uh we just had that incident on the New York subway where a guy choked a man, you know, put, put a, a choke hold on, and he perished. Uh, chokes have been around in wrestling for 2,000 years, right? It, and someone may look at that and say, okay, uh, well, I want to learn how to wrestle or I want to learn how to do judo or whatever to learn the choke. The choke hold for lack of a better term,
3: was applied. I want to be careful what I I say here, but in that situation, uh, he was able to apply a chokehold. So let's just say
1: a, a wrestling grappling move. There are other scenarios in life where a punch was enough. There were scenarios where a kick to the head was enough. I bring that up because Just because in this situation, a grappling technique was used doesn't mean I'm going to run out to the grappling school. No. Same as if a punch was used. I'm not going to run to the boxing gym because of that incident or the kick. I'm not going to go to the taekwondo school because of that incident. Every incident, there are more than one way to skin a cat sometimes. So what will work in one scenario may be completely inappropriate or impractical in another scenario, all right? So before you can visualize, because if you're, let's say, a boxer, you're going to always visualize your boxing. That's great. I mean, if that's all you have, but it's it's better to get more exposed to things. We mentioned a few months ago about Trevor Burbank, former Herbert heavyweight champ, got beaten to death with pipes. You know, I mean, I don't think he had to learn too much more about boxing. He knew... Pretty much what, you know, he was as, as good as it come, as it came at one point as a champion boxer. But in, in that situation, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. So I do believe in visualization. And I was able to visualize in my, and even my experiences are, 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 were limited to what, to what I witnessed and experienced. But at least I had that to go on. I knew from a very early age, the Kung Fu theater stuff didn't work okay uh i saw really what went down with the multiple assailants and the weapons and so on so i had a taste of it right um many people just don't they don't they don't have that taste their their taste comes from a tiktok video maybe that's hard to see or fleeting and while that may hopefully trigger you to do something i hope it triggers you to Make an in-depth study into this and really get to find out um, what's all out there. And then I believe once you have a larger base, you can start with your visualization and then back engineer it, you know, Uh, find out what would I need to do here. And then try to fill in the gaps with the appropriate training. That's my advice.
3: Yeah, I think that's really good. Because a lot of times you're not going to have that opportunity, you know.
2: Especially in like when you're when you're dealing with techniques, when it's life or death techniques, or just in the real world, you know. Like all of our practices, like you said, is in this artificial environment of a, you know a gym or a dojo, and so you have to take the, whatever you're learning and then visualize it in a different context. And I think, like, I mean, we, we talked about this episode in the news. That's a great opportunity. I mean it's a it's a tragic situation and very unfortunate. But for those of us who are not a part of it it can be an opportunity. This is a very specific scenario. Visualize yourself there. I mean I was immediately emotionally affected by that story because you know I take public transportation and I have been in situations where people have acted up. Um not to the degree that this was described so this was kind of a little bit stronger. Uh again I'm only get, I've only heard seen a couple of videos about I don't I only know a portion of the story, so I'm not trying to pass judgment or anything, but I'm just trying to learn from it and use that to visualize that specific circumstance. Even if you're taking parts of the story and creating your own narrative in your head, I mean, for me, I start to feel adrenaline right away because it was, it's very – that is not an uncommon circumstance for, you know, unfortunately, a large metropolitan area, uh, especially, you know, on public transportation, you're going you're gonna to run into people who are just crazy. And acting up so it's it's you know to be able to tie that to a personal memory is, is very easy at least for myself and start to think about well how you know i'm not saying you know there's some from what i've seen of the scenario and i, I don't want to digress too much but maybe we should talk a little bit about that with what we know because obviously we're getting just glimpse of the data um, but it you know was what he decided to do the right it was, you know, I guess basically we talked, you mentioned earlier about it might just be a punch to the head or a kick or a choke, but I think it's worth reiterating that just like that chokehold. hold, anytime you attack the head or neck, really any attack, but especially in those areas, I mean, there's, you know, they call it a one punch homicide, right? I mean, you have to know, I'm putting these people, you know, I'm taking lethal action uh, and be well aware that, you know, that, I mean, this guy like, I think he was trying to do the right thing. It seems like people were in jeopardy on that train. Uh, but now he's got himself in some trouble, unfortunately, one way or the other. I don't like, I don't get it. I don't know all the details, but you've got to think about that too, as you're heading up, you know, I think you always said like, and then a, a fight isn't over until, what is it like
1: Continuance, three continuances and a, and a judgment or whatever, something you know? like that. Yeah. But I'm not going to address that scenario because I wasn't there. I'm not going to get into it. I don't know. And, uh, But I will say this, a couple things. I've always said this. You can go back years to hear me say it, even like on my Snap No Tap video. I'm sure I mentioned it, that you have to assume somebody's going to die here. Okay, you have to go into it with that assumption, either you or him. Okay, so that's at the foundation. And I've mentioned that you have to have all your ducks in a row. You know, you have to have the money for a lawyer. You have to have the life insurance policy for your family. All of this has to be set up beforehand, so you're not worried about that when this shit hits the fan. Um, but the big key here is this. Every human being that's functional has an ego, okay? Now, that doesn't mean they're all egotists, but we all have an ego. Ego is one of those words like diet, okay, where everybody assumes you're, you know, you diet when you're trying to lose weight. No, diet is what, what it is that you... That you eat. You can diet to lose, you can diet to gain. You can have an ego that's very arrogant, you can have an ego that makes you very self conscious.
3: But the trick about visualization, and some of you who have done that, many, many, many
1: people visualize themselves as the hero or the heroine. They're the winner, male or female. You came out victorious. All right, I'm going to slip that punch. I'm going to throw that jab. I'm going to come with a right cross. I'm going to come with an elbow, whatever. And there's a time and a place for that. Start visualizing yourself as the loser. You're the one who gets your ass kicked. You're the one who can't get out of this situation now. All right? And you're the one who is, is, is going to lose your life now. Okay? This is creative visualization. This is going to get, and this, again, is direct, directed toward William and others, this should get your adrenaline cooking here. When you, when you live the experience, even if you can't physically do it outside in the real world, but in your mind, you're living it as the victim, okay? And you go over scenario after scenario after scenario of how you can lose. And the more creative that you can become on how you can lose, on how you can get mortally wounded or permanently disfigured, the more creative you can become on ways to prevent that from happening. See, you'll never know how to protect your vulnerabilities unless you expose your vulnerabilities. And in your mind, you can do that because you should know yourself better than, let's say, I do. Although as a coach or as an observer, I can give my unbiased critique. I can watch a fight or any event, sporting event, whatever, And even a movie, I could judge the actors. I don't have to be an actor. I can judge them. Wow, this this guy's not good. This girl's not that good. Or wow, they're great. But you can get in your mind and work yourself over. I can't do that. I can't get in anybody's mind, all right? You can't. So I would start suggesting that everybody starts looking at how bad they can get their ass kicked to the point of death. And do it repeatedly so you, you don't have that ego where you think you're invulnerable, because we're not. Because remember what I told you earlier today about when the, when the friend or the cat jumped out and startled you? If that was a gunman, let's say, or a stabber or something, you could have been dead in that instance because, of the, because you, did not, you didn't have a reaction that was appropriate, right? Um, run those scenarios by yourself, okay? Do it. And say, yeah, I am vulnerable. Okay. And we all are. Don't let anybody kid you that they're not. Probably all of us have gotten gotten by at one time or another by luck. And I've heard all the cliches. Well, I make my own luck. That's a cliche too. All right. Sometimes it's it's just the way things go. All right. Odds were
3: for you, odds were against you. But always think of the worst case and and you'll never cover every
1: case you'll 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 never do it it's not possible, but it'll broaden your horizons and and you will start to see just how vulnerable you
3: you really are all of us are well, yeah, awareness is never a hundred percent perfect, you know uh, even for you know the
2: I mean, it's something we all need to work on. And that's almost a separate topic. You know, I think we've covered it before and it's worth revisiting again. Um, but, it, you know, uh, it's it's one of the things outside of physical techniques and conditioning that is equally as important. And so it, it's just worth reiterating here. Uh, and like I said, it's something that I see. I, 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 you should be self aware enough to realize how often, oh, was I just in a daydream? Did I just walk down the street for the last few minutes and not? you know, and not even realize that I passed this distance. All those are opportunity uh, or vulnerabilities, I should say. Uh, so that's just something else to think about. Uh, that we, I think everybody has to constantly try and work on and be aware. Are you more, you know, introspective and introverted where you're lost in your head? Uh, I think like, you know, I have a friend who grew up in similar circumstances to you, not as bad as you, but he grew up not too far from Humboldt Park in the 70s. And there was gang activity and violence and um, it changed him. It rewired him. And, and in some ways he almost has like a superpower and he hates it. It's funny. I've had long conversations. I'm sorry. This is a digression. It's a little off topic. That's yeah, right. Um, he, um, I was amazed at how he could just pick things up. We'd be driving down the street and he'd be like, oh, that's such and such person. Like we'd go 35 miles an hour and he, he would recognize cars from people he knew just flying by. I didn't even know. It was like, oh, yeah, I think there was a car parked there, but he knew whose car it was. He'd recognize people's cars he knew. Or one time I went to visit him at his house. I had, got a, I had an old car. I got it fixed up. It had a big engine. And uh, I pulled up down the street a couple doors down from his house. He was already outside the house to greet. I never called him. This is, you know, pre-cell phone or whatever. I just got the car fixed. And I was driving. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to, this guy's Joe Martinez. I'm going to drop his name. I'm going to drive by his house. This is my high school buddy. He was outside the house to greet me before I got, like I was getting out of the car because he heard a car he didn't recognize on his block. He looked out the window and he said he actually is down on himself because he says, like when he's meeting people at parties or whatever, he's often distracted by what's going on around. He can't focus on the person in front of him. He's So I'm like, you know, no, you just need to work on like in some ways, your hypervigilance, and he says it comes from being a kid, but he was always, who's around that corner, who's on that porch, you know, whatever. He was constantly, uh, and he's a little guy, he was afraid, you know, and it was a violent neighborhood. And so it, it like, it rewired him in his behavior. Uh, but it's, it's funny because he's, I've had to talk to him about it, and we disagree. I'm saying, you know, in some ways, that, that's something I aspire
1: to, to be that aware of what's going on around me. You can work on that, and we've discussed this on here, too, before, um, or, on, or maybe on one of my Facebook videos about just doing it in your own home. Um, how, how well do you know the room that you're sitting in, okay? I mean, literally, down to the minute detail of, well, there's a coaster sitting over here or something when you, when you walk out, all right? Um, a good trick that you could do or good test that you could do, um, if you live with somebody, is have your, your friend, your spouse, you, you can even do it with a friend if you don't live with anybody, have, have your buddy come over and go into
3: one room and ha- your friend, have your friend or partner go into one room and just change something around. Not drastically,
1: like moving the, the couch to the other side of the room, but something minute. You walk in there, you got 15 seconds to walk in and walk out and figure out what it was. Your awareness, okay? This is a great way to test how well you even know your own house. Now, if you don't know down to the minute detail in your own house, well, how good are you going to be in a real world scenario where you have to quickly and almost instantly make an improvised weapon? Okay. Back in the old days before you, when you could still smoke in bars and shit, I I wasn't a smoker. I would do a cigar now and then, but there was ashtrays, right? So you always look at, That's one of the things you look for, an ashtray. You look for a pool table, okay? Because then you have other objects that either you could use or somebody could use against you. You look for beer bottles, you know, or bottles of some sort, you know. Then you look for whiskey glass, you know, like mixed drink glasses, shit that can be used as a weapon. You look at the chairs, okay? Do I have access to a chair in case somebody pulls a knife and I can use the chair as a barrier or clock somebody with it? Whatever, on and on and on. You have to make these decisions, these perceptions,
3: super quick, okay? Um, so th- the best way to start is where you wor- or where
1: you live or where you work, you know? Look for the differences. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with it with your friend because we all had to do that. And even older people, like World War I era, and certainly World War II people that were still alive in my neighborhood growing up, uh, they had to learn to adapt to that. Um, they, they had their senses, you know, going at times where, uh, you know, and that doesn't always mean that your senses are correct. But I believe it's better to err on the side of caution than neglect. Um, there's no excuse for people not to do it. Many times it just comes down to either laziness or, for lack of a better term, ignorance. Like, ah, that, that's stupid. Then don't do it. If that's the way you feel, then it's kind of, you're not going to get anything out of it. But, you know, it's, you, you have to try to make yourself as prepared as possible. Because the more prepared you are, the less prone to panic you're going to be. Because panic will throw, throw everything out the window. And it, that will alter your, your psyche quickly. And everyone, at one point or another, again, normally functional people, have been in episodes or situations where they probably panic, okay? For, for whatever the reason may be. It doesn't have to be a life or death
3: situation, but, but you panic over something. So, uh, you know, you have to know how to, you know, control it and deal with it. So there is a lot of pre-stuff, like like pre-law school, pre-med school.
1: You know, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do to prepare before you can even
3: start your physical training, okay? And, you know, we've had a variety of martial art uh, guests on here that have done, you know, a lot of
1: different styles some empty hands, some weapons, some combination
3: of both. And, you know, not all of everybody's training is geared towards the
1: ultimate end, you know, which is, you know, self-defense. Some of it is strictly sport. Some of it is more health related, you know, like uh, just exercising, like, you know, formalities.
3: Um, But when it comes down to the science of learning self-defense, I think the first art that you have to study and master
1: is the art of acceptance. You have to learn to accept I'm in this situation now. And you have to accept that during that situation may not be going your way. That is not the time when you're in the shit. To worry about how this happened,
3: whose fault it is, right now, or what's going to happen later. You are truly living in the moment. You have to accept that, okay? You have to accept that your particular
1: training has never put you in this exact position, all right? Because the world is so different, there's so many variables. You probably cannot cover every single possible scenario. So accept that. But hopefully you'll have the MacGyverisms going in your brain. You'll be able to improvise. Like this is why I always talk about improvisation. You have to have that
3: root knowledge to be able to improvise. And you have to be trained specifically to improvise. Okay? But before you get to all
1: of that, you have to accept, okay, this should happen. Now what? Now where do I go from here? And it has to happen like that normally, okay? If you have time to think about this, well, you're lucky. Maybe you can plan your escape or whatever the case may be. But I've had so many people through the years tell me, I can't believe this
3: happened. Uh, Why me? Yeah, (laughs) you have to know that it, it can happen, okay? You have to accept that fact
1: and that's in everything in, in our life okay not just a violent encounter but a faulty relationship or just you lose your job or something yes yeah, a shitty thing right it is but you got to cope with it instantaneously sometimes especially in a life and death situation you may only have sec- split seconds so this is something that i really wish
3: people would um would focus on if they're not hopefully many are um and i think In my personal life,
1: uh, religious people and martial artists tend to fall into that uh, problem area because they feel that, well, I pray, or, you know, my priest or my pastor or my reverend, my minister, I talk to him or her, and, you know, I don't understand why this is happening. Why did God, you know, do this to me? Same with martial arts. Oh, my, you know, I trained my, I can't believe this. Well, you know, I mean, oh, my goodness, I didn't prepare. You know,
3: you just have to accept that the answers, most of the time, isn't out there. The answers to this stuff is inside of you, okay? So you got to turn within and use your own noggin to, you know, figure this out. And sometimes figuring it out, might lead you to
1: the right external source that you need to go to. Um, but it all
3: has to stem from you. Okay. Now that's just that's just how I look at it. I've been looking at it like this my whole
1: life. So to me it's more common sense, but for others, you know, it isn't. Just like if you, you put me in a cooking class right now, what's common sense to most people in the cooking school is going to be like, man, I don't have, I don't know anything about this shit, you know? So, you know, it's all where you're at in your place in life. But I accept my limitations. Okay, that's why I won't play music anymore. I know that I've accepted the fact that I can't play like I did. Okay, I, I've ha- I, I accept that. Um, so yeah, um, th- these
3: are. Th- this is my take on all of this stuff. And I know a lot of people sometimes cannot accept cold, hard facts, you know. Um, and there are, there are things in, in, in my life that, that were
1: hard to accept, okay? You, you just have to overcome that. Make sense to you? You understand where I'm coming from, Joe? Yeah, and I wonder how much
2: you mentioned disbelief, and I can see that as a natural, like, again, you grow up in it, you see it all the time. You almost expect it to happen to you. But if you don't, if it's not common, or if all you see it is indirectly, so something you read in the paper or something you see on TV, when it's actually happening to you, it's not surprising to me that there's a moment of, like, this can't be happening. This isn't, you know, and that maybe is connected to the freeze aspect, uh, you know, of the, the four Fs. That the, I Yeah, think I the, know what
1: you meant. Or the tonic immobility. Maybe you're just, like, you're frozen by this. What? You know uh, And as I mentioned earlier today, different triggers can trigger one of those different four Fs.
3: OK? Um, when I found out that Kevin got killed, oh my goodness, I had to literally pull the car over. I was driving my car. I heard it on the radio, I saw it on the thing, on the phone I had to pull over. Okay,
1: that was a completely different reaction than I would have in a physical violent encounter. The reason being, the physical violent encounters have happened to me, sadly, with regularity throughout my life. And I'm trained to deal with that. I wasn't trained ever to hear that my best friend in the history of the universe is is dead in a plane crash. I mean, yes, it was always in the back of my head. Kevin and I always used to talk about that, that he was going to go out that way probably. But that's one of those things that, ah, he's a Superman. You know, those of you who don't know Kevin, never met him, don't, don't know. But this was a guy that all of us can say we felt were, was going to live forever. He was one of those guys. Um, so I, did, I had a problem with acceptance right then and there. I had a problem, you know, with uh, – uh,
3: Emotionally, you know, I, Jesus, I can't believe this, you know, and uh, so that's the thing, your reaction to, to a stimulus is not always universal, you know, you, you may react to a loving, cute little puppy a completely different
1: way than an angry pit bull or Rottweiler coming at you, okay, so you don't know. And
2: I've seen little people, uh, little people, people freak freak out about little dogs that I would think is a cute puppy, you know, to your point, because of whatever their experience was. I mean, literally, yeah, just hyperventilate, freak out something that I, you know, because of whatever they had. So um, and, you know, your point about Kevin and death and thanks for sharing that
3: about. I mean, I know it's a very heavy memory for you, but. um, That's a really good point about how our mental you know, you talked about common sense and, and again, I'm not criticizing you.
2: It's just a natural reaction. We tend to think certain people aren't going to not be with us. They're not going to die. Like you can't imagine, especially if they're younger. Um, I had a friend who lost a daughter. I don't you know, want to get into details, but it's something you just, I think for us to cope with the reality of death that it can really every day. I mean, I hate, we, we talk about cliches and how, but, there, no tomorrow is not a guarantee for any of us there is no superman there is no one who's immortal and but to cope with the, that reality i think we almost have to kind of say well what are the odds you know like it's not likely and and that's fine but i guess to the thing like like a violent assault might not be very likely in your scenario but like the thing the way death can surprise you like you're just not prepared for and and that kind of I guess it's like an analogy of like, yeah, something, if you haven't prepared yourself mentally for this reality, now obviously if someone's going through a long illness, you have time to start saying, okay, this is like, I, I lost a cousin uh, a couple of years ago, but he was sick for a long time and everybody was, you know, had coped with it and was in some ways hoping to end his suffering. So it was a very different reaction. We, we had opportunity to brace ourselves for it. Um, But when it's sudden, like that, unexpected, and that's the way a lot like these violent attacks can be, you know, you're not in a a lot of times, you're not in a scenario where, you know, you're just driving to wherever you're going to the store and all of a sudden something happens, um, you know, that, that surprise can freeze you and you're not mentally prepared for it. So, um, yeah, I wanted to say, going back to visualization before I forgot it too, another trick that I use for what it's worth, um, when I'm going about my daily routine because I'm if I see someone who looks like they could be violent or they're intimidating whatever they're bigger however they look like they someone I will catalog that and use them kind of as who I'm visualizing for that week or whatever like okay what if this person did act up this is going to be he's going to play the role of the bad guy now in my head because I had a reaction to this guy I had he set off alarms you know He's someone I would not want to tangle with if I had, to, you know, like that's something when you're going about your, your day that may help. Make it real because it's something you had like a visceral
3: reaction to and try and channel that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have that, you know, um, the, uh, you know, the stereotypical uh, situation. does have even, doesn't even have to be a human being. You know, could be a dog. You were attacked as a dog or you were always – as a kid, you know, or you were always afraid of that. This is why this is such an individual thing. So everyone will have their own little
3: scenario that only they can create. And that's why getting to know yourself, getting to know your mind, um, is the key here. Right? And... It's okay to get down on yourself a little bit. It's okay to as long as you're using it as an impetus,
1: right? To kick your kickstart you and and get you working in, in into this. Because when I'm talking about ultimately training in in high adrenaline situations, um, you know, you you really have to make sure that you're you're okay with this. And as we know, there have been some students that we've put through certain aspects of our training. That they've fallen to pieces, grown men crying and they fall apart
3: and never to see them again. Okay. Because, you know, they folded, knowing even that Mm -hmm. it was safe. But just being exposed to this type of training, you know, was too much. No shame in that. That is a learning point, that is a very good
1: thing that now they know, here are my limits. And then you can adjust your life accordingly. So, for example, a person like that would probably not be the hero. All right, They would probably be the type that would just stay out of it. If you discover that that's you, that you have to stay out of it, then practice ways of being in it with being, while being out of it. Be the person that has 911 on the cell phone, programmed in. So you can be the, the, the witness, be the one that can practice s- surreptitiously taking video because you don't have the ability to physically get involved, okay? These are things that you can do. You can, you can easily practice these techniques, right? Um, instead of dialing 911 on your phone for practice, um, put in a, a phone, uh, you know, just a, a number that, you know, goes to a voicemail or some shit and this throughout the day just practice instantly getting to that button and hitting it
3: okay um so you can react without thinking twice so this is good these are ways that you know your limitations okay um
1: it's all within our power to do this is training without having to be in a dojo because you're not going to do this in a in the dojo is again, your, your instructor probably doesn't know these techniques or they're not geared up to do it. But when we get to the serious training, and I've talked about this till I was blue in the face about, don't even be in the dojo. You want to train outdoors. You want to train in the middle of snow. You want to train on ice. You want to train in a rainstorm on a bus or in a car. Um, you know, you want surprises to happen to you. Okay, and
3: um, many times there has to be a uh, a confederate involved in this. Okay, Um,
1: and I don't think today's the day to to address some of these real heavy duty training techniques that happen far 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 away from a dojo where you're expecting something. Um, Because people should have a lot of homework to do now before that ever happens, and I mean a couple of two, three years worth of, of research and training. This is not a quick fix. These are not things that you can be shown once and they're going to really stick with you. You, you have to go through it and repeat it, you know, over and over again. Um, It's, this is where the trauma can happen to you. You know, you can get scarred from this because your innocence is lost
3: and all of us I'm sure all of us, every one of us, has experienced that in some way. Um,
1: maybe a family member turned on you. Your, your romance, when you were a young kid, you thought everything was going to be perfect. Everybody's going to love me. The girl's going to be mine forever. Or the, if you're, you know, the guy's going to be mine forever. And it doesn't turn out that way. And, you know, it was a bad situation. And now you're, you, you carry that with you. You may not constantly bring it up. But it's always there with you, right? You're never quite the same. Innocence lost. Well, for, for many people that may be embarking on some of the stuff that I mentioned today, it may become innocence lost for you. All right? Um, and so you, you have to do this at your own risk, at your own peril. You know? I'm not forcing you to do it.
3: I'm just telling you, you're never going to know what really can happen. Until you really dive into it. Okay. And,
1: and it's just difficult. It's 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 trauma. Do I wish I saw and had what happened to me and others in my life? No, I wish I never had to see that. Has it affected me? Absolutely. In every every aspect of my life it's it's affected me, right? Um, there's not an aspect
3: of my life that it hasn't drifted into. So, it it will change you. Um, and that's just a warning. Again, I have to re- re- reiterate that. It, you mentioned earlier, and I, I forgot exactly how you said it, but about the bad guy,
1: maybe you know, and how you know you're visualizing now. For me,
3: if somebody would ever be super nice to me. Here's $5,000. I'd be like, what's up with this guy? What's his
1: angle? What's he going to do now? You know, I would would take the very suspicious, negative, uh, you know, approach to it. Because I've seen that throughout my life. I've seen not only directly, but I've seen it with other people getting set up for shit, you know?
3: Um, So we all carry baggage in some way or another. Uh, It's just a question of, you know,
1: how much is it going to damage us if we react in a certain way? Okay, so if somebody was going to give me five grand and I was all, ah, you're full of shit or whatever I say, or, you know, and he walks away and never to talk to me again, well, I lost five grand. But I didn't lose my life. I didn't get scarred. So I got to look at it as an you know, opportunity lost. I just care about people out there not losing their life, the life of a loved one, the their, their 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 physicality in any way, shape, or form. I just don't want that to happen. And that's why I am vehement that so many people that, you know, claim things about self-defense are not are they're not they're not aware. Yes, that technique may have worked in, a, in an isolated incident, but there is just so much more to it. You know, you. Anybody who's ever gone to a doctor knows it is rare, unless it's like obvious your bones sticking out. It's a matter of tests and try this and try that until we can, you know, get to it. And these are people who've spent their lives in medicine. Rarely is it, you know, open and shut. And it's great when it is.
3: It's awesome.
1: And there's parallels. Sometimes in a street fight, all it takes is a good left left hook or, you know, a right cross. But what if that isn't enough? What if your takedowns aren't good enough? What if you shouldn't have been fighting off your back because now you're a dead duck? You know, these, these are scenarios that, that play out all the time. What if it is a, a, a mass shooter? And now no matter what physical skills you have, it's irrelevant because he's 40 feet away. You, you got you to gotta get out of there or you got to do something appropriate, okay? This is the preparedness that you have to be ready for and and, and the biggest thing is you, you you have to be prepared to think, this is the day I might lose my life okay this is it now shit or get off the pot you know it
3: it's it, it's, it''s it's not a good scene to be in and I was in an extended
1: i'm going to lose my life scenario um, and what I mean by extended one that dragged on for well over an hour, I don't remember now exactly how long, but an hour and a half, um, when I was in an airplane with Kevin and we were initially going down. We were, this, this was it. And we got, we got caught in, in, a, in, a, in a thunderstorm leaving Meena, Arkansas, and there's mountains around. We can't see shit. And Kevin wasn't instrument-rated. He was strictly VFR at the time. Later on, it became instrument ra- in- instrument rated. We just we just said our goodbyes to one another. This is it, you know, probably going down. Both of us are on the you know controls, trying to keep it, you know, doing what we have to do. And that drama played out, <laughs> okay, uh, where y- you're pretty much, you know, helpless, and you have to come to the acceptance. There was no panic, there was no hysteria. It was just a okay we have to
3: accept this shit this just happened okay um but how would you react you know i'm not asking for an answer cuz mm-hmm. you don't know cuz you weren't in that but there's going
1: to be other circumstances hopefully not but there could be that i would be in that i won't react the same way or maybe i will panic you know maybe life's changed me so much now uh, that I will panic more or maybe it went the opposite direction and I just really don't give a shit. And, and I'm, and I'm hoping for the worst. right? We don't know, but when it comes to other shit that I put myself through, at least I put myself through it. I studied it. I researched it. And I know enough to say what that person is, is, is espousing is garbage. That isn't going to work. What you need to do, Is find out what your limits are. What are your limitations?
3: How far can you go? Um, And we've had guys come through the gym that there's been volunteers that
1: wanted to get choked out unconscious. They wanted to feel what it was like. And there were certain guys that came through the gym that knew how to choke but couldn't do it. Couldn't choke somebody unconscious. This is just the way it was. They just... And even though it was a complete safe environment, they didn't have it in them to do that. Okay, learning experience for them. Now they know that there's limits to what they will do in a situation, at least at that level. So it is truly all about self-awareness, knowing how far you can go, how far do you want to go, do you think that you can get to where you need to go based on what you know, or do you need to learn more to get to where you want
3: to go? You know, it's a deep subject and it's a different answer for everybody. I think I'll, you know, I know we got kind of tight on time. We need to wrap things up, but I wanted to um, kind of just touch back on
2: one last thing. Um, You kind of mentioned how going to expose yourself to these things can, you know, can permanently injure or scar you. And I think that's, it's a good analogy with physical training that, you know, when you go out, to train, even if it's not martial arts, even if you're not fighting, if whether you're lifting weights or running, you're risking getting injured. Um, and that's, you know, we forget that, that there could also be psychological injuries. And some of these injuries like athletic, you can carry for the rest of your life. You jack up your knee, you're permanently weaker because of that. You know, you're more vulnerable as a result of that. And I guess it's kind of a statement and also a question to you, Tony, and I guess a warning to the listeners as I'm just thinking this through is that just like physical, I guess, do you think it's like physical training in the sense that like, if all of a sudden I said, okay, I'm just going to try and deadlift 315. I've never deadlifted before. The likelihood of me screwing up my back in a way that will be problems that I may have for the rest of my life, um, very likely because I've jumped, I basically jumped off the deep end. You know, isn't it better to kind of ink is there, I guess, basically, in the weightlifting analogy, you should incrementally build up and strengthen yourself. You know, what, and, and we all know this about physical training. You don't jump in right away at
3: 100%. I imagine you must recommend that for the psychological as well. I do, a progressive, but in the real
1: world, that 315 pounds may be thrust upon you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you you have no control over what some maniac is going to do. But yeah, in this training, that's why I said, you know, put your, you have to pre-train before you can get into the meat and potatoes of this. You have to condition yourself, uh, your psyche, your
3: psychological aspects of it um, to dealing with this, uh, you know, and once again, it's not easy. And, you're not going to necessarily learn this from somebody
1: on a, on a YouTube thing, even though we're on YouTube, you've got to physically go out there and do it. Okay. You, you got to go to the morgue or you got to talk to the DA or, or, you know, the police or, or, you know, whatever, go to the library and, and do the research, get off the, the damn internet, go to the library, physically get off your ass and do something. Right. And, and, and if, if you live out this area, Greater Chicagoland, go to the downtown Chicago library, okay? Go through all the rigmarole that it takes to do it. Take the public transportation, if you want, or drive, just so you can kind of expose yourself uh, to the scenario a little bit, right? Uh, All I'm saying is the options are there. They're, They're out there, okay? And it's up to each individual to do it at their own pace, So for you to get from 200 to 315 on the deadlift may take you a year. Somebody else may never get there. Somebody else may do it in six months, right? Um, It all depends, right? We're all different. So how long is it? That's why when I said earlier today, this may take you two or three years. I don't know how long it'll take you, but I want everybody to get out of this instantaneous thing. Shit doesn't happen instantly. Where, you know, unless you are literally thrust into it, and then that's bad. And if you weren't prepared for that, now you may spend two or three years in therapy, (laughs) right? Either way, you're investing some time. So you have got to make this a lifestyle. You have to make this a total commitment. Because once you're exposed to stuff, it's going to be with you the rest of your life anyway, right? Unless you have... You know, such a poor memory that you forget everything, but it's going to be with you. So you might as well continue on, and and learn more and more, and make it, you know, make it a life's uh, work. Now, a police officer is not—that's not their line of duty. Is you know they say protect and serve, but obviously we know they're there ninety percent of the time. You know, afterwards, right, and. Some of them become bogged down with um, paperwork. Detectives generally are you know, after the fact. So, but you're going to them to learn details, details of what happened, learning about how humans interact, how violence can escalate, what vulnerable targets were used. Uh,
3: and even if the person isn't dead, you may just learn the resiliency of the human body. You
1: know, when these people talk about this pressure point don't work and I can fight through that, so on people can man, people fight through broken elbows in, in fights or your knee blown out, too. Okay. So submissions aren't to be all end all either, certain submissions. Okay. So, but you need to know that. You know, you need to learn that. Um, and if you don't know already, and you don't want to take my word for it, talk to the police, talk to any cop in the big city, maybe even in the rural areas that have. High drugs, if they've had to ever deal with somebody on PCP. Hey, they ain't doing that one-on-one, pal, okay? Uh, I, I can tell you stories about shit the cops in Chicago told me about what they had to go. Some were funny stories. Okay, well,
3: I'll share one. Um, this police officer, Richie, he, he was one of the arresting officers apprehending this guy that was just drugged up. It took about
1: seven or eight police officers to finally subdue him. He was violent in getting in the vehicle,
3: you know, all the way to the police precinct, everything. Just a, just bad. So I don't know
1: what the crime was. It wasn't anything serious, but he just freaked the PCP. They couldn't handle him. About a week later or so, he shows back up at the precinct. Richie was there, a couple other police And Richie told me, we all put
3: our hands on our pistols. We weren't playing around. And the guy literally walked in to apologize for how he was
1: and that, you know, the drugs and the whole bit. And that's a happy ending. That's a funny story. It's a happy ending, but it's also um, indicative of what you may deal with out on the streets. Okay, and I don't care who you are, if your training isn't geared to deal with something like that, you know, a a guy that's, you know, just completely stroked down on on PCP and has the strength of, uh, you know, uh, of a mountain lion or some shit, uh, you're in in for a world of hurt. Okay, and, you know, you now the police are in a different situation than an ordinary citizen, but the ordinary citizen, I don't care how much training you have. You may be you know better off starting to plot your escape here from this, this deal. Um, so, get out there and talk. Talk to enough police. Don't talk to just one. Talk to several, as many as you can. There's never a limit to how many. You can never say, "Okay, I've talked to enough. You never can talk to enough." OK? This should be something that goes on the rest of your life, because again, human beings are unique. They can be criminally creative they can be sadistically creative you know i know stories about you know the outfit and organized crime and and some of the shit that these guys have done okay that are sickening torturous now it may never happen to you because you're you know you you don't cross these people you're not in their you know in their path but there's people out there functional that you may not even know you may have even been around them and fully unaware
3: that are functional, that have this level of sadism that is incredibly twisted, okay? And it's out there. And if you don't know about that, you know you could be asking for a whole world of shit. You know,
1: I've lost out on a lot in life, but I've also experienced and been around enough to know that I, as poor as I may be financially poor, I'm extraordinarily rich because of the people that I've met, good and bad, friends and not friends, right? And I don't mean enemies, but friends and people that I never really befriended. But I, I, I got a wealth of that kind of knowledge. And you can, too, you know, especially like if, if you lived in Chicago, hang with me, You know, invite me out. I'll, I'll take you around to places where you can get exposed to shit as long as you keep your mouth shut and be there as an observer and learn. So, you know, not everybody cares enough to do that. You've been to some places with me. Uh, Martin certainly has.
3: Vince definitely has, because I've met him in places like that. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a
1: lifetime journey just to end up knowing that I don't know all that much yet. Right? There's still a lot to learn. So, yeah, uh, uh, just keep on learning, everybody. Expose yourselves. We'll do a follow-up on this. I'll let this podcast alone for, you know, a few months to to let the people stew on this and start implementing it, okay? Uh, and then we'll do a follow-up. But I'm telling you now, um, you have to become intense with your, at least your, Academic study or pursuit of it at this stage of the game before you even think about physically putting yourself in it. Because you know what? It's like method acting, right? Method actors, you know, Pacino and De Niro, they get into their character. All right. It's all an act, right? I mean, they don't live that life. They're momentarily in that, you know, in that role of that character for however long the filming lasts.
3: Okay. But it's, it's an act, you know. De Niro isn't, you know, The Godfather. He isn't Jake LaMotta. You, you have to prepare yourself
1: for really being that character. That that you know that quote unquote on the spot. I hate to use the term victim because you don't you don't want to be the victim, but we'll use that term now. The on the spot victim that you're preparing for a real world role. Okay, you're not preparing for and if you're doing this in the dojo and all this other shit. You're just Robert De Niro. It's always going to be an act and you're never going to really know. And there's good chance that you may actually fail because, you know, I've seen a lot of these quote unquote street fights, right? They're all simple fights. They're they're not against murderers and like crazed people. We've seen that. Okay. When you Those videos tend to be amputated from the internet, right? They're gone, they're they're hard to see, though. You got to really dig for them. Um, so things aren't antiseptic. So, all I'm saying is, if you're going to prepare for this, people don't be a method actor. You got to dig in there knowing that this could be your role in real life and you're not going to get paid for it. Matter of fact, it may cost you everything you've ever made and then some. So, that's pretty much what I have to say on this subject. It's just a serious serious matter and i don't think enough people take it serious no i think
2: this is really great a really great conversation and i'm looking forward to the follow-up conversation
1: well yeah so again everybody tuesday uh, not tuesday what is it saturday may 20th sunday may 18th or may 28th i mean and um that's i'm sure i got a. I got a text from one of the guys i i haven't really confirmed it yet with chuck may um but i'm sure that's going to be the case. Um, we'll follow up next week when happy mother's day to everybody. And although we will do a, a, a podcast next week, but yeah, I'm saying an early happy mother's day. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot, everybody for, for watching and listening. And we'll see you all next week.
3: Bye. <laughs>
0: Thank <laughs> you.